0: You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is Preaching from the Grave, Episode 1, with Fodidas Ndame Mugabe. Ladies and gentlemen, I greet you all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm so glad to be here this morning. It's my first time to be not in this country, but specifically in this area. It's my second time in this country. Uh, I used to hear about amazing discoveries, but the only person I knew was Vice, because I followed his sermons, and I want to tell him actually if he's seated around here And the whole team of amazing discoveries that uh, in the country where I come from, thousands and thousands of church members, even non-Adventists, follow your sermons. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, The DVDs, there are young people who decided to duplicate and, 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 and sell. No, 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 and sometimes donate for free, sometimes sell at just the production cost and And they they go through the national television. They go through the other uh, private television. And it is amazing. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So if you are here this morning and you've been supporting amazing discoveries, keep doing it. Amen. Amen. Because they are doing a great job. And I told you I didn't know that uh, it's such a big ministry. I just thought it was one person. And I thought he preached somewhere and then it was finished. So, God is great. Amen? Amen. As they told you, my name is Fodidas Ndamyo Mugabe. And uh, uh, you don't need to pronounce this one as, because it's a whole sentence. Uh, I come from Rwanda, but it is a beautiful one. It's a sentence. This is a uh, subject and then you have the verb... And then you have the object. So, nda is I. Ramya, mya means to worship. And Mugabe is the Lord. So, I worship the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's such a beautiful name. I don't want to shorten it because it's good. Amen. Amen. Uh, Fodidus has, the easiest one, has no meaning. It doesn't mean anything. I know no meaning at all. So, I worship the Lord is my name. Uh, uh, I will share my testimony. It's actually going to be like three times, and uh, I would take like a whole week maybe, and I will, maybe within one week I can finish, because it's a testimony of weeks, more than a month. So every day is enough to talk about how God is good. Amen. And for those of you who uh, will like, you may not. If you want to read the whole story, you can actually just get the book. I've brought enough books. You can get it with me. I'll be having the book, and maybe they will tell you where you can find it. Uh, I'm talking about preparation for the final crisis, preparation for the final crisis. And before I start... Allow me to say a prayer as I kneel down before the Lord. Thank you. Lord in heaven, you are so great. I want to thank you this morning for the many wonders in my life. And Lord, I want to talk about you. And I pray that I stand before your people to speak, that you yourself will come and speak through me, be able to touch our hearts so that as we leave this place, we will all say that indeed the Lord has been with us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Uh, The passage I would like to uh, think about is in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30 and 31. It says, Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord... Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. This is a very important passage, and I love it. I like it, right? Uh, actually, when you go through the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, which we, we, we just read, it, the, the, the book tells us about how God is great, awesome, right? Verse 18 says, God is great. No one can compare Him. And when you go to verse 21 through 23, without Him, human beings are nothing, just grasshoppers. Princes are reduced to nothingness. But the Lord alone is great. Lift up your eyes and see, verse 26. And when you go to 30 through 31, then it says, no, only those who trust in the Lord. It makes a difference. Amen. It makes a difference, and I'm here to testify about that. I'm not just preaching. I'm not talking about a verse I've read. I'm telling you that when you trust in Him, it actually uh, makes a difference. Right? It makes a difference. Now, we Adventists, we know, actually, that the Seventh-day Adventist church or the church of God in the last days is going to be the, the, the object of the attack of the devil, He's going to fight us. And that time of tribulation is not far from us. It's actually coming closer. Of course, you might be going through some challenges as well, even this, your own time, right? But uh, the thing is, we know as a church, a time is coming when you and I will have to stand firm or succumb. Just give up our faith. And how are we going to be able to stand firm? Well, uh, the Bible says there's a passage that just had been read to you a while ago. that, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved you not know, their lives unto death. Now, some of us, we are so happy. And, and it is good. We are right to be happy. Because Jesus died on our behalf. Amen? Amen? And I have to praise the Lord for that. And salvation is by grace and by grace alone, right? But what is interesting... The Bible doesn't say that the blood of the Lord, which was shed once for all on the cross of Calvary, it's shed and no one, you need to do nothing. You just sit back and wait until Jesus says, come, right? No, there is something that you've got to do in the process. You've got to overcome. Jesus overcame for you, but you've got to overcome as well, right? Now, you will overcome by the blood of the Lord. But you will also overcome by the word of your own testimony, and this is a very packed uh, 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 word. When you uh, because you're talking about the word of the testimony, but at the same time you are saying you not the Bible says you're not going to even love your life unto death. That means it is much more than just the word. It's about a decision you make. I've got to be faithful unto the Lord. Amen. Because if he was just speaking, you can testify and then say, oh, no, I'm sorry. And just change your mind and do what the world wants you to do or the devil wants you to do. If you've got to reach a point when you accept death, that means you've got to be faithful. There is something you cannot do. You've got to obey the Lord, all right? Now, I'm here to testify. I come from this tiny country in uh, uh, Central Africa you can actually uh, see the, the map of Africa is right there. And uh, uh, it's a very small country. When you're looking for it on the map, you may not be able to see it because uh, it's, sometimes if you touch, you will cover the whole country just with, one, with your finger. But it is such a beautiful country. It's a country called the country of a thousand hills. Because everywhere you go are just hills and hills and hills. There are mountains everywhere. You, you 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 know sometimes I've made a joke that if you run, especially downward, you don't manage to stop because if you stop you will fall. So you better keep running because it's very steep, right? Uh, but it's so such beautiful hills actually. And uh, uh, it is green everywhere. And I was born in this, uh, uh, close to this lake. It's called Lake Kivu. It's one of the most beautiful lakes in the world. You might need to go and, uh, they, uh, uh, to go and, and visit the country. And my family was just in these uh, hills, actually, in a place called uh, Kibuye. Unfortunately, this is a place today I can't go because... I mean, I just go, but I'm just like a, a, foreign, a foreigner because I, I, I used to have uh, more than 30 people living here. I mean, maybe even a hundred of them, including the whole family, and uh, uh, the cousins and, and nieces and nephews. But all of them were killed. Uh, all of them who were in this place were killed except one sister who happened to be outside uh, the country. She was in another neighboring country called uh, Congo, then Zaire. She's the only one who survived with her children. Everyone else in this place, everyone, literally everyone was killed in these mountains. Now, uh, what I noticed in this country, I was actually in Rwanda. I saw it when it started. What is amazing, Ninety. More than 95 of people in Rwanda are Christians. And Adventists, right now, Adventists are like, uh, one out of ten is an Adventist. Could you imagine more than a million Adventists alone? And everybody else is that they are Pentecostals, they are Roman Catholics, they are uh, Presbyterians. Unfortunately, all of them, when this time of trouble came, it was a time of trouble. Maybe for us, we should probably learn what happened in Rwanda as the Christians. And then we'll be able to actually say, look back at ourselves and say, are we faithful to God? Can we be able to stand if such a thing happens to us today. So just imagine, in only this genocide memorial, you've got more than 250 people buried there. One. And uh, uh, in the whole country, you have more than a million people who were killed, and they weren't killed within five years. No. They were killed within a 100 days. And so there was like 10,000 people being killed every day. Imagine within such a tiny country, which you can just cover with your finger if you look at the map. And uh, um, more than 10,000 people being killed every day, every single day. They are being killed, they are being hunted by their neighbors and killed by who? By Christians. You know, interesting. Somebody said, when everyone says he's a Christian, no, actually, there is no Christian. In country such as yours, a country such as the United States of America, everybody says almost everyone says I'm a Christian. Maybe there is no Christian. Or there are very few Christians. So we should actually look at ourselves and, and think about what is happening. So... Uh, Many abandoned their faith, but are good enough. And I want to praise the Lord, and this is the reason why I'm right here today, to tell you that there are few who actually managed to be faithful unto the Lord. Amen? Amen. Very few knew that Jesus was in control, and they were not ready to give up their faith. And what was the difference? The difference was preparation. Preparation, amen? But the question we have, are we prepared enough are we prepared enough when the time comes and you've got to stand on your own without looking at the entire group, the family of amazing discovery, or the church where you belong? No, where you just see yourself in such trying moments where you be able to stand firm, or maybe you are not, and sometimes we think we are. Now, let me tell you, there's no magic preparation, actually. It's about these three things, and I will talk about this in my testimonies. I have three testimonies. Uh, one is, uh, I will talk about the Bible study a little bit. And I will talk about prayer. I will talk about service. Of course, it's a testimony. Don't expect me to have a Bible uh, study. And all these three, I consider them as eating. When you study the Word of God seriously, and uh, this is what we are always, as Adventists, we are always, we have the coterie. We have, you know, we have the Bible. We have. All kinds of, we are requested to study the Word of God and sometimes we take it for granted and we think things are going on well. No, if you don't study the Word of God, if you don't pray, if you don't serve God in whatever capacity, in your way, wherever you are, yeah, then you're not actually getting prepared. I consider this as eating because when you don't eat, physically speaking, you are weak. And you have no strength. And so if these things are lacking, you are not actually as a Christian as you think you are. And by the way, sometimes you study the Word of God and you do all these things. And then you want to say, is there anything that is going on? Am I being really helped? But yes, I believe you are. If you are doing it seriously, if you are studying the Word of God. You know, I heard a preacher from South Africa one day. I had invited him for a week of prayer and uh, he talked about just eating. He said I was, he was 48 kilograms. And, but he was actually married. And then he said, uh, his wife was quite a little much, you know. And then uh, uh, he said, somebody was coming to his house and he said, hey, what is going on? Uh, he, and then and oftentimes they say, where is your dad? Because he was such a, a small fellow, Right. So where is your dad? And he said, No, I am the dad. And then they said, No, no, no. We're talking about your father. He said, No, I am the father. And finally he told the wife, Say, No, honey, I think I'm tired of being called the boy in the house. I am the father of this house. And the wife said, No, what am I going to do? He said, No, you cook. And I will eat. And the wife said, Yes, I'm gonna cook. Do you think it's going to make a difference? You have been eating. He said, no, just cook. And he told him the type of food, cook. And he co- she cooked, and the guy ate. After one year, he was still the same. <laughs> and the wife said, no, 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 I think I'm tired. You, there's no change. The wife said, no, the husband said, you cook, your job is to cook and I eat. Then I will see. After a number of years, guess what had happened with the man? I don't want to talk about it. Because he wanted now to be... He was like... When I saw him, he was 130 kilograms. And, and now, let me ask you... I, I'm, forget about that story, but that is exactly what happens when you eat the Word of God. Amen? It just so happens that... I, I, in a natural way, you don't know what is going on. Just keep eating. And eat seriously. Study the Word of God. Take time Deep into the word of God, not just reading when you are, oh, we've got to read the quarterly today, and then you read, you pass by. I'm talking about you being in the word and forgetting about anything else. I don't know what time, and, and I believe most of us have that time. It's just a matter of decision and priority. Amen. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this was the difference. What does Ellen G. White say? Ellen G. White says that in a time of crisis, actually, It is the time of Christ that the character is revealed when the earnest voice, she was talking about the ten virgins, that they thought they were all prepared, but there were some who were prepared, others were not prepared. And so preparation happens before the time of crisis comes. And uh, then when the time of crisis came, it was seen who had made preparation for the event. And I don't want to spend time on this because there's no time. But she says the great final test comes at close of human probation. When it will be too late for the souls need to be supplied with Christ. So the time is now. Amen? Amen. The time for preparation is now. Now I want to praise the Lord because God taught me this lesson. They were very bitter lessons. You don't wish, yes, they happened. And right now I praise because I have a story to tell. But those days were evil days. The most terrible years of the life of human history. And, uh, but God was so good. You know, uh, as a young boy, as I grew up, I was born in a Seventh-day Adventist family. Although, uh, yeah, they weren't somewhere... uh, just nominal Christians, but I had a sister who loved God so much. And interestingly, it is the only sister who survived. She's the only one who is alive. She loved God, and she taught me, she, you know, you know she was going to get married. And as usual, in Africa, when you get married, you give presents to your siblings. And so she was giving gifts to everyone, we were eight children, so everybody's receiving a gift from her. And then when she had distributed gifts to everyone, she came to me, I was disappointed. Guess what she gave me? She gave me a Bible. I mean, as a young boy, you are giving gifts to everyone, and then you, you give a Bible to a young person, but that wasn't even a new Bible. It was an old Bible. It was a Bible that she had highlighted, she had underlined every single beautiful verse, and then she gave me that book, said, that's an old book, right? But anyway, I had no choice, so I took that book, and, I was, and that book made a difference in my life, eh, amen? It came to make a difference. Now, parents, I believe you. some of you have young people, and you are wondering if they will love Jesus or not. Train them to love the word of God, amen. And you will see the difference. And sometimes, highlight those verses and give you can buy, you don't need to give them an old one like the one I received. You can even buy a new one and then highlight it, amen. And so, this Bible, you know, I was reading it because I used to keep animals back in Africa. In those mountains, I was behind the cows of my family. And I spent the whole day now because there were no, nothing to destroy, no farms, only grazing areas. So I was reading my Bible when the cows was just, were just moving around. And throughout the day, I was reading the Bible. And the time came, I studied the book of Daniel. I studied the book of Revelation. I studied Ellen G. White writings. And uh, I remember actually having read the Pauline epistles, the epistles uh, written by Paul, I felt I have to be another Paul. Amen. I said, I'm going to be Paul. I want to preach the gospel. And uh, I remember I was uh, climbing a tree in those hills and I was uh, singing and I was saying, Lord, I want to be Paul. Guess what? When I got baptized, I actually told the pastor I was 14 years old. I told the pastor, I said, Pastor, can you baptize me? But I want to change the name. Uh, My name is not for Didas anymore. I want to be called Paul. And the pastor said, okay, fine. I was in the water, so there was no way to to argue about it. He said, okay. He said, okay, I will call you Paul. And he said, Paul, in the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you. And uh, uh, after I Came out of the water, I thought everybody recognized because it was loud. Maybe they got confused because they knew I was for Didas. But out of the water, the first person I met he said, For Didas? I said, No, don't you know my name has changed? I am Paul. He said, No, you are for Didas, I know you. And then I met another one, I said, No, my name is Paul. He said, No, you are for Didas. He said, and I realized, finally, people didn't want me to, call, to be called Paul. So I said, how can I keep having a name that no one wants to call me? And that's why you actually see for Adidas. But good enough, I have a son. He's actually right now 14. Uh, when I got this first baby, I said, no, people didn't want me to be called Paul. But I'm going to call my son the son of Paul. Amen? Amen. And so, yeah, I changed my name. And uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, this was a time of preparation in the Word of God. And it it came just part of me. I love this Word. And uh, a time came, I went in a high school. It was a school where they were teaching on Sabbath. And then I decided, actually, when I was studying the book of Revelation, uh, I decided not to study on Sabbath. But this was a preparation time. It was a time of trial. I was in a high school. It wasn't an easy thing because back... In those countries, some of those poor countries, it's a place where you will not get a job if you have not gone to school. And uh, one day the priest came to me and he said, No, you've got to come to school on Sabbath or you uh, you forget about your religion. Of course, that was a simple, I made a decision. It wasn't as simple as such, but God was preparing me for something much more important. I remember, actually, when I was going to write my final exam to get my diploma, my high school diploma, I said, no, 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 no. Uh, 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 I had no money because the war had started in Rwanda. They were already, uh, but it wasn't a genocide yet. There was a war between two armies. And I could not go back to my country. And I remember, but that was just the initial stage when actually I was approached by my leader and he said, no, Didas, you've got to change your nationality. You are going to become... Uh, to lie that you are a Congolese because I was in a foreign country so that you don't pay the money they want you to pay. Oh, so I'm going to become somebody else so that I don't pay the money. But I had read in the highlighted Bible that actually you should not say a lie. Amen. Yes, the Bible said that those who will be able to stand on the, mount, the sacred mountain are those whose work is blameless, who do, not, who do what is righteous, and who speak the truth with their hearts. Amen? And I said, no, how can this happen? I had also read the book of Revelation, that those who will be able to sing a new song, the song that no one else will be able to sing, are those... on whom no lie were found in the mouth. Amen? And so I said, no, I can't lie. I remember I said I would would go back to the village and become just a farmer rather than actually uh, disobeying the commandment of God. But the most terrible time was actually coming ahead of me. Now, the genocide started in 1994. 1994. And I was staying in this... But in this place, in, uh, uh, this is a place called the Kichukiro. Now, uh, you've got a lot of people and uh, militiamen. Actually, it was like uh, on Wednesday evening, Tuesday evening, I spent the whole day praying. There was a group of young people who were scared for their lives because they anticipated something terrible to happen. So they invited me. They said I was a church elder at the age of 24, in a big church of about uh, 5,000. It's called the Remera SDA Church. It is still there. And uh, they, they called me to come and strengthen them. I spent the whole day teaching them the Word of God, reading the p- spirit of prophecy and praying. And I encouraged them. I said, no, even if we die, God is in control. The problem is not about our death today. The problem is about eternal death. And I remember Wednesday, I was invited by another group. Of businessmen, and I spent the whole day again praying with them and encouraging them because we sensed that something terrible was going to happen. Radios were circulating the rumors, they were telling, No, you've got these Tutsis, you've got to kill them. Interestingly, on that particular day, Wednesday, you know, God prepares you when something terrible is going to happen. That Wednesday evening, the plane of the president was shot down. And When they killed the president, they immediately, because obviously I don't know exactly what happened, but some people think that they because the president was going to oppose the militiamen's plan to kill every Tutsi, so they decided to kill him before. And so, well, there could be so many other stories, but that's one of the versions. But allow me to tell you, after they killed him, immediately the radios, national radios and television announced that we will kill all Tutsis in the country. And so they said everybody stays in the house where he is. And we were locked in such a small house. Now I had three friends, two friends of mine, and our house helper, a boy who was working for us. And uh, it was a terrible situation because we heard some shootings everywhere in town. And guess what? Because around this mountain, I could see the other other side of the, the city. This side, actually... You, uh, the next morning, I could see the whole family. They took uh, them out of the house, lined them in front of their houses, shot at everyone, and uh, it was happening from house to house, moving from house to house. And some of them, I saw some people going into the tall buildings and uh, shooting at people and throwing them through the windows. It was a terrible situation. And we were scared. I remember when actually the Sabbath came, because I was an Adventist, and every Sabbath morning I used to teach uh, the doctrinal lesson. I was the one teaching, and I said, Lord, I'm not going to stop today because it's a terrible day. But no one could go to church because there were roadblocks everywhere. Every street corner, everywhere, every 100 meters, there was a roadblock. And you could not just pass, only killers had the right. You got to stay in the house. And I told my house helper, I said, no, I'm not going to spend a day idly on Sabbath. Can you go around and invite neighbors to come and I'll be able to teach the word of God. Now, my house helper went, who was the Hutu, because he was not scared. He invited people, they came to me, and I read the word of God. I remember actually telling them I was reading, I was reading uh, the book, the great controversy where Ellen G. White talks about uh, Genesis chapter 20, 34, talking about the experience of Jacob, right? That the time of trouble, that God is still God and He cares for us even when we are going through such a time of such a time of the, as the time of Jacob. And I was encouraging them. And uh, all of a sudden, in my house, the, 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 the door had a glass. I saw a group of militiamen coming. They were armed. They had been moving from one house to house, you know, in that suburban, killing everybody. And so they came. I saw them with the machetes, with the knives, with guns. And they knocked they said, you open the door. And my house help went and opened the door. And as soon as he opened, a group of young people came in. And they said, now every Rwandan had been given an ID card. And this identity card actually indicated the ethnic group you belong to. So it was very easy to know who you are and kill you. Because usually randoms are the same. Well, some will see the differences, that Tutsis are tall, or, yeah. But, but in most cases, you won't tell the difference. You may say, I'm a Hutu when I'm Tutsi. Or you are Tutsi when you are a Hutu. And so, they, as identification, they said, okay... The killer said, put your IDs up. And everybody put the ID up. Now, uh, one of my friends was also a Tutsi. He had torn his ID because he wanted to lie. And I had seen him putting the ID in the corner, hiding the pieces he had torn. And I told him, I'm not going to do that. Because I said, I'm not going to try to cheat or to lie just to save my life. If God wants, he will protect my life. And now I was the only one with an ID. Others had either torn the IDs or they had Hutu IDs. And I, and I took my ID and I put it up. Now, holding the Bible in my hand, the chief militia approached me and he got the ID and he realized I was a Tootsie. I'm trying to summarize. There are a few things I jumped, As I told you, you can read the details. Then he got the ID and he read Tootsie. He said, get ready to kill. Now I was sitting. Everybody came and surrounded me with their knives. Having heard that I took my bible right where I was sitting looked into his eyes and I pointed the bible into his eyes straight I said in that ID it is written to thee but in my heart I am a citizen of heaven and when he heard that he was disturbed imagine they were ready to stab me looking at me then he kept shouting he took the he grabbed the bible he threw it down he trampled on it and I was disappointed I said, Lord, I thought you would fight for me. And now you can't even defend your own honor. They are trampling on your word. But that was a childish. Our God is great. Amen? Amen? He can never be despised. Even when he thought he's despising God by stepping on the word of God, God was still in charge. Because he kept shouting. Imagine, he has his knife. And everybody has his night, but no one dares to stab me, right? They're just shouting. And I said, Lord, you're doing nothing in this situation? But I wanted God to fight. But God doesn't fight like we do, amen? amen. Because He's in charge, amen? And so they kept shouting, imagine, the knives are there, and I'm praying, and nothing happens until finally he keeps shouting. Now he's playing, he turns towards the other one, he says, hey, you guys, this tooth is lying to you, what is he teaching you? But he doesn't dare to kill me, right? He's just now turning, the knives are there, but they are talking to these ones. Until finally, he says, now, where is your room? And he took me to my room, and I was praying, I saw, Lord, cover me with your hand, and he took me to the room and he took everything I had belonging to me. And then they brought me back into the living room. And uh, then he shouted, he said, we're not going to kill this Tutsi. We will go and call the police. They, they are the ones to come and kill him. Now imagine, they are strong. They are full of blood. They have killed others. And he says, we're not going to kill him. We will call the police. Amen. But one of the killers was not happy about it. He was so angry with his knife, with all his might, he struck me on the skull. But believe me, let me tell you, as I prayed that the angel would cover me, God had worked it out. Even if you look into my skull right now today, there's not even a scar on it. Nothing. God was so great. Amen. He had covered me. And... Now, they took the key, and they locked us inside the house. They went, and uh, they said they are going to call the police to come and burn us inside the house. Now, the team was there. So, I grabbed my Bible. I took LNG White book, The Great Controversy, and I said, "Let's." after we prayed, I said, let's study again. Now, waiting for the policemen to come and kill us. Now, I kept reading, encouraging them and making comments. But then, one of them said, wait, hold on. We're not getting anything. We are going to be killed. No, let everyone pray for himself. And I said, okay, if you're not listening, let's pray. So we kept praying. But finally, they kind of changed their mind for a while. But that wasn't over because they sent the key with someone, with a girl. And she came and she opened. And we thought, actually, we were now safe. And so we went out just to realize that actually I saw when I looked through the fence, I saw the chief militia coming with his gun as if he was ready to come and kill us. And I was scared. My house was surrounded by a fence, so I jumped from the other side. I was trying to escape. But guess what? Just to realize that the whole team had surrounded the house. And as soon as I reached them, they said, hey, you lie down. And I lied down. And then the chief militia came. With his knife, he said, I'll cut your throat. And he lowered his sword. And I was lying down there. And as soon as the blade was about to cut my throat, guess what I did? Right where I was lying, in, uh, in the middle of them, I rose again my Bible, amen? And I pointed it to him. I said, don't shed innocent blood. Guess what? There is a powerful word, Amen. If you have this book, sometimes you think, don't take it for granted. There is a power in the word of God. Amen. Amen. And this guy was shaking again. Imagine the knife is on the right, the blade of the knife is right, the, just the, the top, right? Right on the throat. And then he say, "Oh, are you bragging of praying? I say, no, I'm not bragging. And he keeps shouting. And the militiamen, they have come to kill me. They are just looking at me. But no one dares to do anything. And... He said, by the way, why are you running? I said, he said, why don't you go to your home? I said, I'm going to my home, and I will never run again. Amen? Amen. Now imagine, they just saw me going again. Now I went to my home, and I was right there, and I locked myself inside, and uh, the chief militia would come from time to time, and then he knocked, and when I went to open, he said, hey, Murokore, are you still alive? (laughs) Yes. Are you in? I said, Yes, keep praying. Amen. (laughs) Now, this is the killer, killer, right? (laughs) Keep praying your God. And I kept praying. But that was not... It was actually like... It was going to be much, much more than that. Because I kept praying. I spent days... It was like almost a week I spent into that house. I kept praying and I prayed and I prayed. And now, let me tell you... uh, My friends were in trouble... Even though one of them was, two of them were Hutus. And it was such a terrible situation that they were shooting everywhere, bombs. And they were everywhere. And a lot of noise fighting. And to the point that our ears were actually kind of broken and we could not. You know, even if there was rain and there was a drop of water falling, you thought it was just like a a, a gun sound. And uh, sometimes we went behind the house and we hid ourselves there. Sometimes we went into one of our neighbors' place and we hid, but then we were almost being discovered. And uh, finally, actually, they, there was an order that they said, no, 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 no. Talking to my friends, they said, you guys, you said you are Hutus. If you are Hutus, why are you hiding with this Tutsi? In other words, I'm I'm known I'm a Tutsi. I'm supposed to be hiding, even though they didn't want to kill me. They are killing everyone. But they said, no, if you are Hutus, you are either with us or you are against us. It was such a time of trouble. It was such a time of trouble because you don't just say I'm a Christian. It is a time to kill Tutsis and they will come to you and they say, no, you come and join with us. Are you with us or you are against us? And if you are against us, then we kill you. And they killed some Hutus as well. I mean, there are not many because the faithful ones are very few. But there are some cases of a Hutu who said, no, I don't join, and they killed. Imagine if you've seen your neighbor killed. Are you going to resist? And so my friends who say, if you are Hutus, you come and join. Now, interesting, even the Tutsi joined, right? Because he had turned his ID and said, you've got to join. Now, you follow us. Of course, they didn't kill, but they were supposed to go to the roadblock and wait for Tutsis who passed by to close these roads, right? If there's any to see trying to escape, they kill him. And so, I remember my friends were in trouble. One of them was trying to grab the club, you know, because they're just a piece of tree. Because how do you move around and you say you are a killer and you don't have any weapon? Because others are armed, and it's so just for him to pretend he grabs a piece of tree, he walks around with it, and, but it doesn't look like others say, no, are you a killer or are you not? And so it was a terrible... I understood how most of us, when the time of trouble will come, some of us will pretend, but there's no pretension. You can't just pretend. You've got to make a decision, amen, to be on the right side of God. And so my friends were asked to go to the roadblock. And that night was a terrible night because uh, there was an army fighting to to rescue the Tutsis. And this army is the one that has captured the country now. They are actually uh, in the country right now, and it's peaceful. And so that army, they passed by in this street. And when they saw them passing by with heavy weapons, these militiamen, uh, actually they hid. They tried to hide themselves. And when the army had passed by, one of the chief killers said, Hey, now... We, why are we here? Because we were waiting for Tutsis and these are Tutsis passing by. We are going to go back to our homes and tomorrow morning we will kill every single Tutsi who had survived. Now my fate was, now again, my my life was in danger. They came back and it was very late in the night, maybe around uh, 11. And when they came to me, they could not talk. I looked into their eyes. No one could ever talk to me. I said, What is going on? They found me praying, but no one could talk. I said, What is happening? One of my friend's name was Celestine. I said, Celestine, why are you not talking? And he could not talk. I approached the other, I said, Why are you not talking? No, they were only kind of agonizing. It was a terrible situation because they knew we were in danger. And I approached one. I said, No, Celestine. He was my church member. Remember, I was a church elder. I said, You don't know me? I trust in the Lord. If there's anything dangerous that is happening, I believe God can rescue me. And if he doesn't, then I will die in him. Why don't you tell me what is happening? And Celestine told me, he said, didas, you know, there's no reason to hide you. You're going to die. So they said early in the morning, they will come and kill you. I said, now, you think my life is in their hands? I believe my life is in God's hands, And if he wants me to live, I will certainly live. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a God in heaven. When everything else has failed, when your life seems to be at danger, there is a God who can still intervene. If He wants, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if He wants, He can save your life. Amen? If it is God's will. Nothing can just happen to you. Your life is not in anyone's hands. And let me tell you, uh, you know, I told him, say now, let's just bring this matter to God. You know what? I used to have a professor of mine, and this professor, every time when I was doing my doctorate, and I was very much, I didn't have the school fees, no money to pay, and I went to him very discouraged, and my friend, and then he saw me, he said, Fordidas. he asked me a question, which I never forget in life. He said, For I know you have problems, and there seemed to be no solution. But he said, what do you do when you don't know what to do? And I said, hey, come on. You're asking very... St- That's not a question. I have nothing to do, then I do nothing. And he said, no, when you have nothing to do, there is still something to do. Go on your knees, amen? When everything else has failed, there is still a God in heaven. And so I told my friend, I said, let's go, to, let's kneel down and pray. And we knelt and we prayed. Now, we prayed one, no, no, not just around. You've prayed and have prayed and finished. No, you pray and anyone just comes in and pray. And there's no order. You don't say you pray and then I, no, no, that's not what we did. You pray and then by the time you stop or before you stop, somebody else is praying. We were talking to God and we talked and talked and talked. Now, interestingly, one of us, of us was quiet. The other fellow, the other Tootsie, he was quiet. He couldn't say anything. And uh, I wondered, what is happening? I thought he was so much scared that he thought it was going to be terrible, so he didn't have the courage to pray. But around 2, 3 a.m., he opened his mouth. He said his first prayer. This is a prayer I will never forget in my life. Guess what? He said, Lord, many people are dying in this country. Thousands and thousands of people are being killed. But he said, the Belgian government has sent for the citizens of Belgium to to, to be rescued. The Americans are sending for the rescue of their citizens. The French government, French people are not dying in this country. They are being rescued. And he said, Lord, we believe we are your children. We belong to your government, and the Americans are not stronger than your government, amen? And he said, you send us your holy angels to rescue our lives. And he said, there are food we don't eat in this country. There are schools we don't go to in this country. There are clothes we don't wear in this country. You send us angels to protect our lives. And believe me, God answered that prayer, amen? Because we kept praying, and then the morning came, and we heard a lot of shooting, and then immediately somebody knocked at our door, but it was the gate, the the outside gate, and when we heard him knocking, he said, open your door, open the door quickly, and I'll come and kill you, and uh, now I was sitting on the bed, I was uh, praying, and my friend was right with me, the guy who said that prayer, now, for me, I was not even supposed to go and open, because I knew in the first place, I was the one who was wanted, right, and so my friend, but he was also scared. Now, uh, no, none of us had slept. The guy said, open the door, I'm coming and kill you. I will burn you inside. And my friend is standing and he said, no, I'm, go- I'm coming, I'm coming. But he's not coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And he said, I'm coming. And I was praying, but he's moving. He so I'm coming, I'm coming. But he doesn't move. And then later he said, ah, I'm dressing up, I'm dressing up. But he was dressed up already. But he kept saying that for about... 10 minutes, and the guy said, open, open, I'll burn you inside. Now, guess what? I prayed, I said, Lord, can't you do something about the situation? And after that prayer, guess what happened? All of a sudden, I heard something like a big bang, like a bomb blast, and immediately there was a silence as if there is nothing at all. And then we wondered, and then he turned to me and said, what? nothing and then when he opened the window to see what was happening the guy was not there he had been wounded he was sought and he ran for his life and god had answered our prayers amen we have such a wonderful god ladies and gentlemen there's a god in heaven who rescues his people and something had happened terrible that he was wounded all over later on we met him and when we met him, he was so desperate, he could not walk properly. He was dressed up in a skirt, even though he was a man, because, you know, all this part was, was wounded. And so God had rescued right at the time. He actually, when he was, according to the story, when he tried to jump, to climb and jump inside, that's when something uh, wounded him. And uh, I believe it is the angel of God who intervened at such a moment. When we needed him the most, amen, just call God. Now, that was not the end. That was not the end. It was just the beginning, the beginning of a terrible time. One of my church members came to me, and when he came to my house, he had heard what had happened, and he said, I heard people came to kill you. Now, he brought us something to eat. And I want to tell you, it wasn't an issue of Tutsis and Hutus. I've always said this. There could be some people with a different opinion, but I want to tell you there's no Hutu, there's no Tutsi, there's no Canadian, there's no American, there's no British. We are all the children of God, amen? There is only two categories, and those two categories are those who know God and those who do not know Him. Are those who are faithful to him, even though you are in the church, and those who are not faithful to God? And this is what, it was a Hutu guy. But he came to me. He brought some biscuits because there was no food. And he said, Yo, I know you've spent long without eating. And he brought us some food for the first time. We we're eating something. Now, that was actually the beginning because he suggested it was just the beginning. He said, No, for Jesus. I know it's terrible. We can't hide ourselves here. Why don't we try to run? And he suggested that we go to another province. But I told him, I said, Celestine, what am I going to do? I have this ID and it's Tutsi ID. I mean, his name was Vincent. Say, Vincent, how can I run? You have a Hutu ID. I have a Tutsi ID. How can I go? He said, You still have that ID? I said, Yes. Why don't you tear it and throw it to that garbage? Because he betrays you. It doesn't help you. I told him, say, Vincent, tearing this idea will be an attempt to lie and to tell people that I'm a Hutu, but I don't want to tell anything that is not true. I will be true even unto death. And if God wants me to live, I will live. And he said, if you have that faith, then let's go. Amen. <laughs> And I remember we held each other's hands, and we joined our hands together, and we prayed. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, there is the power in the Word of God. After we prayed, we decided to move forward. But the way was far difficult, much more difficult. I will share with you the next part of the story when we come back. Let me assure you again... Uh, that there is a God in heaven, a God who walks out a miracle, a God, and a God who saves us when we, uh, we stick unto Him and hold unto Him. If we are faithful unto Him, who will be faithful unto us? Amen? Amen? If we just hold fast unto Him, His hand and never release it, He's going to intervene in the right time. I want you to be Right now, to understand that this is a God who never abandons his promise, we are the ones who ab- abandon the promises of God. May God bless you this morning. May you give you the faith that you need to be able to hold fast unto the hand of God in Jesus name. Amen. Lord in heaven is so great. I kneel before your presence to just give you glory and honor for what you've done. It wasn't for me to leave because there are thousands of others who died. It was for me to be here today at this hour in front of these people and be able to testify about your greatness and how when we decide to follow you, we are never confused. I want to praise you for what you did and I want to pray that you will bless each and every individual Help him. Help them. Help the women and the men and the young people in this congregation to be able to hold you and to decide to follow you wherever you live and just wait upon you, Father. May you bless us and bless us through the the, the rest of the testimony. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit amazingdiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on adtv.watch.